Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colorist. Today's guest is Mike DeCanter, based in Dublin. Uh, loads of social media, colorist, in salon educator. Mike's been hairdressing for 11 years. Hello, Mike. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good. How are you? It's great to have you on board today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I love that little lilt you've got in your voice there. I like that. It's nice. So before we get to where you are now, Mike, what's your story? So I really like to find out how people got into hairdressing and how they developed. So would you like to share that with us? So I've been, I've been hairdressing since I'm 15. So I started working in a salon when I was still in school. And one of my friends got me a job in her salon just as a Saturday job. And I said, you know what? It's a bit of money. Why not? Let's do it. And from then on, I really just fell in love with the industry. But the thing was, my parents really wanted me to go to college. So I decided to work in the salon and as well do hairdressing college, which wasn't really heard of back then. Like 11 years ago, hairdressing colleges weren't the thing to do. But I done it anyways, because I'm originally from the west of the country. So I'm not from Dublin originally. So there wasn't many choices when it came to apprenticeships. And then I just stayed working in the same salon. I, I got a job when I was 15. And then my dreams got bigger and bigger. And I decided to move to the big smoke, which is Dublin. And when did you do that? So I'm in Dublin eight years now. Right. So I'm here a good bit. And have that eight years always been with Zeba? No. So I first started working in a salon in suburbs of Dublin. Because you know yourself, when you're moving somewhere, you don't really know where you're moving or where you're going. So I really just got a job just to get a job. Yeah. Just to get me into the city and get, get more experience. So when I moved up to Dublin, my main thing was to get more experience because you know yourself, I was from the country really, and I wasn't really exposed to big hairdressing as such. So I wanted to get more experience, meet people, get my name out there and really, really work hard and put a lot of, a, a lot of education into me. So that was really the key. Um, and then I, how I got into Ziba was I was actually doing a photo shoot with a makeup artist that used to work for Ziba and Ziba were looking for staff and his assistant actually went to my current boss and said, listen, I know this guy, he's brilliant. I met him at a shoot. Um, I think you should hire him. And I'm with them ever since. Uh, it's a lovely, for the audience who don't know, Ziba is a beautiful salon right in this lovely street in Dublin, isn't it? And it's a gorgeous space. It's massive. Yeah, so we've three floors and, and the street is beautiful. It's the street to be in Dublin. It really is. Like you've the pubs, you've the shopping, you've the hair salons, beauty salons, you've everything on that street. So in the salon, you, when you went there, did you have to retrain? No, no. I was, I was lucky enough that they believed in me. I had obviously my trial and an interview and everything and they yeah. believed in me and put me on straight onto the floor. So... But I still wanted to do more and more education. And that's why I probably wanted to work for Ziba because they put so much effort and time into training and retraining them staff. And as you know, we had you about three times in Ziba. That's how we met at first. Yes, that's, yeah, that is how we met. Absolutely. So Angie, our boss, she really wants to put a lot of time into education. So that's why I think that's why I love it so much there. Cool. And what, what does it look like now for you in your role there? So I know that you're, you're in salon you're training the team now. You're in salon educator. That's correct. You're also part of the ID team. Yeah. Or were. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I finished last year. And then you also are part of the artistic team as well, aren't you? Yeah, so I've quite a lot to do. But obviously, like, my main love in the salon is working nine to six or nine to whatever 
on the salon floor looking after my clients. And then I'm part of the educational team. So myself and Angie would work really, really closely with the path of the trainees. So my job would be really to get the trainees where they have to be from A to B. So we would work on educational plans, sending them on training and courses, making sure the classes run smoothly. And obviously I educate once a week in the salon. Did did you find education was something that you were drawn to straight away or was it something that you discovered about yourself because for me personally I'd always when I started out it was very commercial very salon friendly in there there weren't any artistic teams or anything where I lived and I was was kind of like oh I'm not an educator you know I'm just I work behind the chair and then I I discovered this passion and it's but it's always really commercial and all that stuff how, how did it happen for you? I've always loved the idea of education even when I started hairdressing, I've always wanted to do more education for myself. Like I would have went to Sassoon's and paid for it myself. Like I was really passionate about educating and passing on the education. So it was definitely something I wanted to do on a long term. It was something I've always wanted to, to do. And I was very grateful when they offered me a position of an educator in Zebra. Like I was over the moon because that was really, really something I really wanted to do with my career. Mm. It wasn't something I fell into but it was something I was working towards. So it was always in there for yeah. you then. You always kind of felt like it was something you wanted to do. How do you transmit what you believe in, what you love to somebody who's younger than you? It's impossible. It's near to impossible, especially with younger audience, because we have stuff like Instagram and social media. Your knowledge really goes up against that and people who have loads of followers. So loads of young people nowadays watch YouTube videos and they watch tutorials. And even though you have all those years of experience and you tell them, right, this is the way to do it. They'll say, well, such and such does it this way. And trying to explain to them that there's many ways of doing one thing, but it's good to learn one way or the other. It's absolutely impossible. So I always find there is a barrier nowadays. But I've always tried to do my best and listen to a student. It's very important to sit down and listen to and see where they're coming from and what background they're coming from. Yes, I mean, you, you definitely can't teach taste levels, yeah. can you? You can't teach taste, but you can teach structure and foundation and then let people develop and run with it. Yeah, like you can show them one technique and be like, listen, you can take this wherever you want, both for your graduation and for your exams. This is the way we expect you to do it. More than like, right, you're not allowed to do anything any other way. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't go down now very well anyway, would it? No. Well, there's companies out there that stick to one method only across the floor, do you know? Yes. But in our salon, everyone's from different backgrounds and everyone does hair differently. And that's what makes such a great team, I think, because everyone has a different background and does hair the way they want to do it. Right. There's a standard, but everyone has a, a different take on something. Exactly. Now, I mean, 11 years, you're still quite young in the industry, yeah. you know, um, from a, a young boy into a grown man. Yeah. How did, how did you go about um, getting onto the ID, the L'Oreal ID artist? Was it, again, was it something that you really hankered for or was it something that was showcased for you once you got into the salon you're in? So I'll never forget it. I, was, I wasn't even working in Ziba at that time and I went to... L'Oreal Colour Trophy Regionals. It was the semi-final in Dublin. And I seen a show. It was just a halftime show and it was done by ID artists. And I just looked up and I was like, wow, 
I'd love to be them one day, standing up on the stage doing the show. Do you know, it was one of those moments. And then when I actually got a job in Ziva and was there long enough, I approached, I, I said it to Angie, I said, listen, this is something I'd really like to do and I think I'd be good at. And they just said, yeah, go for it, audition. And with the first audition, I got onto the team and it was the best two years in my career ever. Not even joking. It was amazing. What did you like most about it? What was it? What was so amazing? It was meeting other people, definitely. Learning from big names in the hairdressing industry and the networking. You you literally meet people from all over Ireland, all over UK, and you get to network. And you it's a big platform for you to show off your talent and really, really show who you are as a hairdresser. I, t- I thought it was just a brilliant opportunity for anyone to showcase your talent. I think those things are. I think... Um that all the product companies offer something like that mm-hmm. to uh, younger people who it showcases, it shows you how to work on a platform, how to be a platform artist, how to pre- presentation skills, because all those things are really hard to learn. You learn from your mistakes, obviously. And the product companies are always looking for new talents, aren't they? They're always looking for new talents. They're always looking for new educators because, I mean, the market moves on. They need new people, fresh faces, more people, because there's more products. There's more products coming out, more retail. They need people to showcase and help them out as well. We are the voices for those companies with our platforms, with our Instagrams. We are the future of hairdressing. That's why they're constantly looking for more people. And they want people to be able to present and talk well in front of the camera. And that's why I think they do all those programs like ID Artist. Yes, because there's a difference between a social media influencer and a educator who is a platform artist. And there's that sort of merging of the two now. Oh, do you know what? And that's, in the industry. that's completely true. And that's why I started off my YouTube channel because I was just sick of listening to people that had no clue about hair and advising people on using hair care that literally didn't know anything about hair, the condition and, and why the product does what it's supposed to do. And that's why I think it's important for us as professionals to speak up so people can hear our voices and can learn from us because we know what we're talking about. Let's let's step back a little bit then on that one. So generally speaking, loads of hairdressers do Instagram, but you do you found this passion for YouTube. How did that happen? So how did my story with YouTube start? It all started when I was back on ID. Obviously with ID, we do loads of presentation skills. We do loads of filmmaking. You know, they teach us how to speak in front of a camera. And everyone have always said to me, they're like, Mike, you're brilliant at presenting. You're brilliant at speaking. You're brilliant in front of camera. And another thing, I just wasn't getting enough out of Instagram. I just didn't feel like it was a platform for me. I got stuck at like nearly 6K followers and it just wasn't moving for me. It wasn't exciting me enough. It didn't excite you. Yeah. You felt stuck on it. I just felt like Instagram only got me to a certain point that I couldn't move past. There wasn't right. enough on the platform that I wanted to show. Like it was, it's just a different platform. Like I love creating pictures and video content and stories. And it's brilliant for an everyday and showing off my hair work. But I wanted to really be present on camera and show people what I can do and what I can say and have a bit of fun with it as well. Right. Because YouTube can be a fun environment. You can create a channel and make it a really safe place. You can be really fun on it, but still be professional at the same time. And I just felt like I wasn't getting that of Instagram, but I absolutely love Instagram. I still use it. You know, it's one of those 
social media platforms that I always go first when I'm looking for information or see what's happening. But I just felt like video content was my calling, if that makes sense. The calling. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's interesting. That's yeah. for sure. I, I, want to, I want to talk about it yeah. with you because, it, it, of course, YouTube's very different to Instagram, isn't it? It's impossible. And, you know, for anyone that ever had a YouTube channel, fair play to them because it's, it's so different. It's not one of those platforms that you can just turn on, upload a video content and be a successful YouTuber. Right. It takes so much work and preparation to actually create a good content because you're not only showing off uh, visual content, which is a video, you also have to present a good audio and it has to be visually appealing to a person. So there's all those different things that have to go into it to create one good project. Right. Now, let's, let's explore that then, because, of course, we've been on the COVID lockdown. Yes. And there has been this mad rush to Instagram that everyone's doing lives and all those things. And I mean, they're tricky anyway. Yeah. But of course, you were ahead of the curve from that with doing your YouTube channel. How do you, how did, how did you, how did you figure out how to set up your YouTube channel? Watching other YouTube videos. Like, YouTube is a search engine. Yeah. So you literally go in, you type in how to set up for a YouTube or beginner setups for YouTube, and you get thousands and thousands of videos. But you know yourself, you get a video and what do you do with it? You have to try out and trial out with it. You really have to play around. Like I'm constantly trying out with my lights, with my lighting backdrop. How should I light this up or how could I change? There's so many different ways you can light up a screen to give out different vibes different moods. Lighting is so, so important as well as your audio. So I definitely, when I, before I started up YouTube, I researched good 12 months into YouTube before I started. Right. So it wasn't something I just woke up one morning and said, right, I'm going to do it. I really researched because I wanted to get the lights, get the camera, get the audio, make sure I have everything that it's not going to be a once-off that I'm going to film once and not going to be happy. And then that's going to be it. So you were, you were slightly cautious about it then? Definitely. And have you designated a space in your house for this? Yeah, my guest room. Your guest room. <laughs> and you, it's very crowded. It's very crowded now. Do you know what? Between like the desk and the filming equipment and the ring lights, light and backdrop. And I also do my laundry here and there is a bed. There is a lot of moving. It gets really, really warm as well. But you know what? I'm lucky to have this space because some people just have to do it out of their kitchen, bathroom. Like, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen people make their YouTube videos in many, many mad places. <laughs> now, do you change your backdrop for the mood of the, the video that you're doing that day? Or do you, do you have a, um, do you have like a branding on it for you? So I literally just have stand with a backdrop on it. And yeah. I just keep that on all the time. And when I need to use it, I just roll it down. And then I have lights to light that up so I can change the mood of the backdrop with the lighting. That's the way I do it because yeah. I don't have enough space to get more colors of a backdrop yet. 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 <laughs> He's always planning. Oh, yeah. Always looking ahead. What do you think was the most important thing that you learn from doing your YouTubes? Because you're nearly, you're nearly at that, that fantastic number, aren't you, as well? Nearly there, getting there. So hopefully, well, I'm hoping by August I'll get where I want to be, if not sooner. But what I learned is 
never give up and keep doing what you're doing. And you learn from every content you create. It's the same as your Instagram post. Sometimes you will get it right and sometimes you will get it wrong. There is no secret formula to it. You just have to know what works for you best. Right. And you just have to keep playing around and learning from it. And do you, do you post from your YouTube onto your Instagram? So what I sometimes do is if, if I find that the content that I've created is entertaining enough and I can make a short clip out of it, I'd cut about one to two minutes out of it put it together as a preview and post it onto my Instagram. Right. But like that with Instagram, because everything is so much shorter, you have, you need to make sure that it's a punchline and you will get people to react to it and then go onto your YouTube. So do you think that Instagram drives traffic to your YouTube channel? Oh yeah, definitely. Every time I post new content on YouTube, I'll definitely link it up to my Instagram. Now, I, I don't think I get as many views from Instagram as I would from actual YouTube. What What's the brilliant thing about YouTube is it's analytics. You can really get in and see where your traffic is coming from, who watches it, yeah. from what countries. And I think 80% of my traffic is from YouTube searches and Google searches. Yeah, because the uh, the analytics on Instagram aren't as good as, as that, are they at all? You, it's really hard. Yeah, it's, it's very, very minimal. But YouTube really goes in like, what do they search to find you? And what ages were they? So you can, you really get an idea of your audience. You know, whether they're male or female, they're 23 or they're 33 or they're 14. You know, you really get a feel and that definitely helps you create better and create for that audience. Right. And what is your, so if you don't want me asking, how old is your audience? So my audience at the moment is between 25 to 38. Which is the perfect kind of audience to attract into the salon. Yeah. And it's perfect, I think, audience for hair because that age gap loves hair and they will watch stuff about hair and they want to learn about products and have better hair. How do you feel about filming from portrait to landscape? Because it's a very different way to do it, isn't it? I mean, I recently just had to set my phone up to do a a landscape thing and it was so tricky for me because I'm so used to... Instagram. How do you navigate that? You, you're, you're working with different ratios. So when you're, when you're filming from a portrait mode, it's really just your face. It's really a selfie. It's, it's, you don't really get much in if you just have the camera in front of you. Yeah. If you're working in a horizontal way, you get everything. So you get the background. At first, it's very strange looking at footage of you horizontally because you've never done it before. That's what I found. But it does make sense because when you're watching something on your phone, it automatically goes horizontally. If you're watching something on a laptop, it goes full screen and same on, on your TV. Yeah. But at first, it does look very strange when you have to film something in a different ratio. And that's one big mistake people make is they create YouTube videos in portrait mode and they just don't look great on the platform itself. No, they don't, do they? It looks odd. Mm. Now, do you use a special camera, Mike, or you just use your iPhone or a phone? No, I invested in a in a camera just after Christmas. Yeah, I don't think I don't say well. I I wouldn't say you have to, but I wanted to. I wanted a good camera for quite a while, so I just said, you know what? If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly because I'm going to be using it for a lot more than just filming. So if you see some of my hair shots on my Instagram, they will be done on my camera. And obviously, right. or my lovely 
face pictures there done on my camera as well. But um, no, I don't, I never really filmed on my, on my phone. But saying that, you can get amazing images out of your phone. Well, I learned a trick the other day was that I couldn't understand, and this is the whole landscape thing versus portrait, why when I was trying to take a landscape video of me, my eyes were sort of looking at the other way and I was like, and I realised I had to turn the phone around and yeah. talk into the phone. But then I couldn't see what was going on on the phone yeah. and I was so used to being able to direct myself from it. It was just such a... It's a different experience. Yeah, it was complicated, wasn't it? Like the first time I remember when I turned on the camera and just sat in front of it, I was like, and what, what now, what do I say? It's, it's very strange. It's, it's strange not, not having anyone in front of you. But the more you do it, I think the more you get comfortable with it. It's really, yeah. really difficult because you can't see yourself. Do you, do you film and then cut and then go and have a look and then jump back in? Or well, have you got so used to it now? Actually, my camera has a flip-out monitor in it. So it's very handy. Ah. So I can just take it out and I can just see myself. And I also have a monitor connected to it. So I can actually see myself on the big screen to make sure that everything looks good. Because sometimes like you, you can film and you can see a bit of a wall here or you're not yes. getting yourself in the frame and then you have to edit all that out and that's extra work and editing don't get me started on that because that's that's probably the hardest part of making video content we're going to get there in a minute anyway don't you worry on the other <laughs> thing so a friend of mine doing the whole live thing because it wasn't until lockdown yeah that um that i'd ever had to worry about anything like that because i'd always been you know, with the big companies, they always had a million people looking after you. And then yeah. suddenly I was like, oh my God, I've got a... And my friend would be like, what's that in the background? I'm like, it's a cushion. And she's like, move that, it's distracting. <laughs> and then I'd be like, what's that in the background? I'm like, it's a table. And she's like, move that. And so they had to move the whole house yeah. around just so that it would pass her test. Who helped you? Or did you just learn from mistakes? I really learned from mistakes when it came to my setup. Now, I chose to work with, with a backdrop. Some people have... Yeah. a lovely kitchen or a hallway and it really works with their content i just have a brown door behind me and a wall and it just doesn't look great if you film with that no matter how lit it is so i just worked with a backdrop and i just chose to go with gray because i just thought it was a nice neutral color that will go with everything um but that was really it and it was just from watching other YouTubers and seeing their content and seeing what I liked. Like if I liked someone filming with a backdrop, I was like, well, that's type of content I want to create. Now, Mary from Behind the Chair always says, you know, if you want to learn it, watch other people do that. And you just reiterated yeah. that, really. You, you see things that you like and then you take it and use it as your own. It's, uh, it's flattering to people, I'm sure. Now, you've done some fabulous little chats about box hair yeah. colour <laughs> and all those things. Um, and it did make me giggle because you've got loads of personality yeah. in there as well. Um, you, but it's engaging. It's not dismissive. It's fantastic. How do you pick subjects? Now, for me, I know what my voice is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's balayage, it's painting and all that. But with a YouTube channel, it's, it's broader. Your, your channel's yeah. broader. How, how, do you, how do you come up? I also saw the makeup from... Um, from yeah. Little, which cracked <laughs> me up. I thought it was so good. So, with YouTube, you really need to think about your niche. What is your niche? And my niche is hair and beauty. Right. It's something I've always been right. really into. And 
hairdressing as being my professional, I really want to talk about professional products and speak about professional products, how they work and what is so great about them. Because you see loads of people talking about products, but they haven't got a clue what they're talking about. They don't know why purple shampoo helps balayage hair. They don't know why right. such a such a thing is good for you. So really talking about stuff like box dye, it was that what I was what I was inspired about was what's happening at the moment. I said loads of people are going to reach out for box dye, and loads of people said to me, "It's like, well, I'm going to use a L'Oreal." I said, "Well, it's not the same." So my whole idea was compare the two together and show people that it's not the same product, even though it carries the same name. Because as we know, L'Oreal Professional and L'Oreal Paris is owned by L'Oreal, but it's not the same company. Yes. Just because they have that L'Oreal in it, it doesn't mean that it's the same as professional product. It's the same with all the professional products though, isn't it? So how, how do you pick these subjects and how, how do you decide to break it down the way that you do? Because it's quite genius. So let's say with this, with this, with the Lidl makeup is I was doing my weekly shopping and I seen it and I was like, yeah. do you know what? That's going to be a brilliant idea. <laughs> and I just bought everything and I just came home and I said, right, how can I make this good? How can I make this engaging? And it's all down to your planning. So you take your pen and paper, yeah. you write down your points from beginning. So you have to always, let's say, introduce yourself. What is, the, what is your content about? Then talk about the products. Then Try out the products, so on and so on. So planning is the key. And then you just come out with some stuff that you don't mean to come out. And that's what makes it even funnier and engaging. That's the personality. That's the personality, yeah. Yeah, I thought, did you hear from them on that one? Did they write to you? No, and I've done so (laughs) many stuff for them. I've done their shampoos. I've done their makeup. I've done their eyebrow range. Nothing. I'm still waiting for sponsorship from them. And I shop there every week. Very disappointed. (laughs) Uh, I don't actually want when they were um, they were doing dupes of professional shampoos and it was actually very interesting to compare their 199 shampoo with like a dupe from a supermarket for seven euro so that was actually a very interesting one so you can learn a lot from doing those experimental video contents but it's obviously your passion too isn't it I mean you can feel that I think there's no point running a channel of anything unless you unless you're passionate about it so your, t- your top, your pro tips are plan. It's like anything, it's like doing a shoot. It's like doing uh, a makeover, anything like that. You need a plan, don't you, before you start? You need to plan everything. It's same as you go into work and you see your column. You plan everything. You're like, right, Mary's coming in at nine. I need to have her out by half nine because such and such is coming in and she's loads of hair and I need help with that. It's all about planning. So once you plan everything, then yeah. the rest is just personality and your talent. <laughs> I think the the thing that people are, I suppose, slightly unaware of is that everyone thinks that you just pick up the phone yeah. or the camera and you just do it. People don't realise like anything from your lighting, your sound, your video, then editing. Even like with yourself when you're doing lives, they people don't know how much lighting and time and preparation you actually put into it. It's so, so important. There are so many lights on me that I'm sweating like a fat man in here. You know, it's the middle of summer and all the lights are beaming on. It's like, it's, it is a lot of work. And especially in my... But it's worth it though, isn't it? In the room where I'm filming, we have sun at the moment. So the sun gets here in the afternoon and then I have the lights on. And it's literally like, like by the time I'm finished, <laughs> it's literally everything is dripping off me. Yeah, that's been me all <laughs> yeah. summer in the, uh, I'm doing the, the lives through there. So let's go back to... Um, the content ideas. 
So you've based those on hair and beauty, haven't you? Correct. And what did you? What was the purpose of your YouTube channel? What What was the point for doing it, or the 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 passion behind it, the thought process? I really wanted a professional to talk about products and talk about their knowledge, because we're going up against um, influencers that have loads of followers. And they're talking about products, they're talking about hair, but they don't know what they're talking. And you have your clients in your chair and you're saying, right, you need this Kerastase shampoo because it's good for you. And she'll turn around to you and say, well, such and such says that this shampoo from Tesco is the best shampoo on the market. And even though you've all this knowledge and you've put all this training and effort into your education and career, because you're going up against Instagram and all those platforms, your voice is not heard all the time. Hmm. So that was my whole idea. I really wanted a professional, me, obviously, <laughs> to, talk about, to talk about products and talk about hair because who knows hair better than us? Like I talk about stuff like pH balance. Hmm. What is pH balance? Why hair color fades? What makes hair color fade? So I talk about all those subjects that no one but a well-trained professional will know or a colour specialist. Yeah, there, there is a move, though. There is a movement, isn't there, to push away from that sort of heavily influenced ad thing yeah. where you've got popular, very, very popular people with you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And, it's just, and you see at the very bottom, it's an ad. It doesn't feel real no. anymore. Everyone knows that people get paid for it. Do you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do not fair play to them. They're getting sponsored. They're doing their job, just like we're doing our job. But I think people want to hear a professional speak about it. If I'm going to a gym and I'm starting a training program, I'm not going to look up some influencer that has no background in training telling me how to work out. I'm going to go into someone that knows what they're talking about to get the help I need. Yeah. So that's how I always compare to two. All right, Mike, so you've put all this energy into your, your YouTube platform and you did talk briefly about it, but how, how did you learn all the editing skills? How do you go about that? Because whenever I have to even edit a clip, I have heart palpitations I get so frustrated with it. It drives me absolutely bonkers. And of course, you can't send all that stuff out no. for somebody else to do. You've got to, you've got to do it. How, how did you approach all that? Just learning and trying. Like, I've, I've never, I've no background in editing. I've never really edited before. Now, the trick is to work. It's, it's all to do with the equipment you have to edit on. Right. Because obviously, when you're working with a YouTube clip, which is very, very large clip, if you're trying to edit that on an iPad or a phone, and first, when I started YouTube, I didn't have a laptop, so I had to work on an iPad. And it was the slowest thing ever, trying to cut out clips. It was so frustrating that I nearly felt like throwing the iPad against the wall and saying, never again. <laughs> Good job you didn't. No, it's, <laughs> no, I didn't. So I invested in a laptop and it definitely helped and helped to speed up because you have a bigger screen you can do a lot more but I can you can always improve on editing like you see some YouTube videos and you're like how do they even do those effects and when you see someone do a certain effects 
then you go in and you Google, you'd be like, right, how do you zoom in that way? And then it tells you. And then you go in and you do it yourself. And that's how you really learn the art of editing. And another thing is, do you know what? Your friends are going to be your biggest helpers when it comes to video content. I have people, well, friends of mine that would talk to me and be like, right, next time you're doing this, do more of that. Do a close-up of a product. Put on a price. Introduce yourself. You know, smile or zoom up on your face more when you're talking about this. Add text. And you know what? Those people, even though they're so critical of your work, they're trying to help you and they will listen. And you got to listen to them because they're watching you. And if they're not interested in your content and if they think it's a bit boring, so will everyone else. So your friends are definitely your biggest helpers. Absolutely. Or I think the advice is that if you're doing anything like this, yeah. is to always ask your, your friends or people in the industry yeah. what they think. And because their eye goes to the critical stuff, yeah. first of all, and you move that out the way. You know what friends are like? Yeah, no, no one ever says you're, you're pretty. They'll say, what happened to your hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever says that to me yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> what is your favourite app for editing? So I, I use, I go between iMovie and Adobe Rush. So those are the two that I use on my on my device because I just find they're easy wow. and they just do everything you need it to do. Nothing too complicated. And all self-taught. That's amazing. That really is. And basically what you're saying is what we're all told when we first start out hairdressing, which is practice, 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 learn from your mistakes. It's the same as editing a YouTube clip. It's just you just have to practice and you learn everything yourself, like anything. Like there's so much information out there online that you can learn all that stuff yourself. It will never look probably as professional as if professional film editor would do it, but you can do it as close so it looks decent enough. Yeah. And I also think there's a push away from it being too pitch perfect anyway. Yeah. I think there's... You want to see personality. Yeah. Some authenticity. What's your YouTube channel called, Mike, for the audience? So my YouTube channel is Mike Decanter Hair and Beauty. Just put that into YouTube and you'll find me. So if anyone's listening, please subscribe, watch a few of my videos and show a bit of love because I'm at that point that I need every single subscriber that out, that's out there. How many people are subscribing to your channel now? Well, um, just over 550 and that's increasingly daily. And my growth on my YouTube is a lot bigger than my Instagram, which is funnily enough, I would get anywhere between 10 to 20 subscribers a day on YouTube. And of course, people who are subscribing, it's not people who are just watching, it's people that actually want to... Engage. ...be notified of engaged and all yeah. of that stuff. And it's, that's, that's the difference in it. Like, I was reading somewhere that one YouTube subscriber is like five Instagram followers. Wow. Because those people commit to watching your content. On Instagram, you literally go and you're like, oh, there's a celebrity, I'll just follow them for the crack, like, do you know? Yeah. But with YouTube, there's a lot more personality to it, I think. So what's next, Mike? What's the next, what's the next thing? Oh, God. Do you know what? It's, it's very hard to know what's next with everything happening in the world at the moment. Obviously, I have plans and aspirations. But yeah. it's really hard to know where everything is going to go with my career. What I can say is that I definitely want to get into more education. I definitely want to do a lot more of that. But obviously, there'll be no education, let's be honest with each other. There'll be no education until things get back to normal. Do you know? It's going to look very different, isn't it? It's going to be definitely very, very different. There's going to be a lot more online education, I'd say, like the live streams like yours that are absolutely brilliant. Um, and definitely, I'm going to concentrate more on my 
YouTube channel. So I'm going to just try to work more and more. And I find if I'm going to hit that number that you need, then you can start having more fun with it. You can start having people on a bit of laugh. Do you know, it's not going to be more of a search engine video that you have to kind of create. Right. So you've got, you're plotting and scheming it, even yeah. as we speak. My mind is going 100 every single day. I mean, online is the way that I think it's going to be. Lots of people are looking at all of that. And I do love seeing a split screen where people are talking and yeah. things like that. It's kind of fun. And you know what? It's in your hand and you can literally just look at it and listen. And if you don't want to, you can just switch off. Do you know? And that's the art of it. You can really pick and choose what you want to see and listen to. And you're ahead of the game because you've been doing this on your YouTube for so long. I think so. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see where it all goes. <laughs> we will indeed. I'd like to thank you so much for today's chats and insights, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. It was great. Oh, it's a pleasure. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolour.com. <laughs>